Hi, I'm Mark Evans, and I'm here with Ian and Gemma on the Big Scuba Podcast. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Big Scuba Podcast. This is episode 28. Hello, everyone. Gemma, how are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. Excellent. So episode 28, welcome back. And um, if you listen to us for the first time, welcome. It's a whole load of, well, it's 27 episodes before this that you need to go to as well. Don't forget them. Let me tell you, did you, did you know, let me just very before we start, some interesting facts. 28, the atomic, num- atomic number of nickel. There we go. We learned something. In astronomy, um, <laughs> the rotation time of the surface of the sun varies to be in the gas and plasma at 45 degrees rotates in 28 days. Did you know that? No. The sun rotates in 28 days. Which is a could be a topical time. Really. Um, more about that later. And also the curing time of concrete is 28 days. <laughs> anyway, welcome. Excuse us where it all happened. So, Gemma, what's what you've been up to lately? What's been happening? What have we been doing? We've been doing some kayaking and paddleboarding. Um, we've tried a bit of diving. Good, and also uh, it's been good having the go with the Paralynx camera. Uh, seeing what we can use that for and, uh, and and that takes a really nice picture I'm really pleased with how that's uh, working out so we've got some trips coming up haven't we so yeah we've got plenty of things work. we can practice with yes yeah yeah I look forward to that actually um, yeah that'd be good so we can test out all our equipment and the camera yeah and also uh, after that we've got a couple of dives coming up one in Suffolk and one in Norwich yeah some inland site so that will be so we're not so dependent on the weather which will be great yeah yeah so um in the uk most of our diving are on the coast what happens really most of it i suppose from about april through till end of september possibly october depending on the weather and then um we're kind of best really then to go inland really over the you know they'll, they'll stop they'll shut up shop for diving over the winter um but more hardy fellows who don't mind the cold and um, they'll jump in all year round you know, it's not to say you can't it just depends on your personal preference you like the cold or so well, you've got to have the right equipment as well and we're not blessed with the clearest of seas around here so once it swells up there's no visibility so you've got to jump in a in an inland site thank you very much okay so what's coming up so we've got um a good friend of the podcast mark Evans. Yep. He's uh, joined us to uh, talk about his diving career and some of his diving stories, which is really good. Um, he's the chief uh, chief editor of Scuba Diver magazine and also founder of Go Diving, um, the Go Diving show in uh, the Midlands as well, yeah. which we went to in February. That's a really good show, wasn't it? Yeah, that was my first dive show, so that was really interesting. And I'm looking forward to the next one next year because it will make much more sense as a yeah. diver <laughs> well, exactly and also you know now this year we've spent a lot of time uh making new friends with say fourth element mares parallels you know you can just be nice to see them you know and put you know actually talk to them face to face rather than just by the power of zoom <laughs> yeah so it's more like a like diving festival i think that's the way mark described it which is great it is, yes. It is all uh, levels of divers and even non-divers as well, and even youngsters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, always welcome. It's a good show. I, I enjoyed it. it the, this year was the second time I went to, and um, last year was sort of you kind of sort of walk around with your eyes like wide open. You know, you're taking it all in. You didn't <laughs> know what to expect. This, this year, you know, you kind of it's a bit more familiar, uh, and it's great seeing. Um, you know, some of the people that we've had on the show, mm. such as Andy Torbert and Miranda um, and Monty. And, yeah. and um, so, you know, that was really good. And Steve Baxel, he was there and some of the other characters. So, uh, you know, that's always good. So if you are thinking about a dive show for next year, look out for the Go Diving show. But the main thing is to look out for the Scuba Diver magazine. Uh, that's in all the dive centres. So that is a great, great. of information and reviews so it's a good read it is yeah i agree with that it's a free magazine and you get free these days you know what is there free i know so go to your dive center yeah free magazine and and also you get a free dive and scuba 
podcast. How's that? So exactly. there's, two, there's two things in the world, a scuba diving magazine and a scuba diving podcast. With us. Anyway, we run on as usual, we digress. So let's, uh, let's move on and let's have a listen to Mark Evans talking to us about his diving career. On episode 28 of the Big Scuba podcast. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. Welcome. Welcome to the Big Scuba podcast, Mark. That is good. It makes a change for me to be on the other end. Because it's bet. like me doing the live streams on Tuesday and Friday, I'm always the one fronting the questions of people. So, it's, yeah, it's nice to do it the other way around. So, Mark, tell us a little bit about you. Um, we know you're the uh, uh, editor-in-chief of Scuba Diver magazine, uh, but I know, you know you've been in the industry a long, long time. So, tell us a little bit about you, you know, who, who you are. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, so I'm Mark Evans. Uh, as you said, I'm the editor-in-chief uh, and co-owner of Scuba Diver magazine. Um, we've now got three titles in our portfolio with that. We've got Scuba Diver in the UK. We've got Scuba Diver Australia and New Zealand that's down the Asia-Pacific area. And then we've got Scuba Diver Destinations, which is a quarterly magazine that's in Canada and the US. So yeah. that keeps me busy with those three magazines and the three okay. associated websites. Um, and then as a secondary company, we also have the Go Diving Show, uh, which was in February. Uh, that was our second uh, show. Um, it was just a, a bit of a new take on dive shows, really. Um, things have moved on from dive shows purely being where you went to buy a cheap kit. Um, so we were trying to make them more of a, a festival of diving, if you like. Um, so we had the big name speakers. Um, so obviously this time we had um, Monty there and Andy Talbot and everyone uh, heading stuff up and Miranda and, and that. So um, that was all great. Um, and then we also had some stuff for people to get involved with. So we had the plastic cave for people to climb around in. We had a climbing yeah. wall and stuff like that, as well as a big tri-dive tank. And it was really, it was just an opportunity for people to be inspired about diving, meet up with like-minded people, kind of be in that dive tribe. Um you know, so that was the approach with that. And to try and make it more family friendly, to get more yeah. youngsters involved. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's basically what I do now. Uh, as you said, I've been in the dive industry quite a long time. I uh, started with uh, Sport Diver magazine back in March 1999. I was the editor there. Um, and then I've been doing Scuba Diver for about three years. Uh, prior to that, I was a newspaper journalist from age of about 18. Uh, yeah. But I've been diving since I was 10. So I've been diving for 37 years now, which is why I've got no hair. <laughs> Chairman, this is what happens when you wear a hood a lot. That's it. It makes, it makes you more streamlined though, so you saccharates a lot. I don't want that image yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I dive, uh, my wife Penny dives as well. Uh, I actually met her when I was on assignment for Sport Diver in Florida, and she was managing the dive centre that I went out to dive with. Um, uh, and then our son Luke, he's now 13 and a half and he's really been born into diving if you like. So he was snorkeling in Anglesey when he was three. Um, he went to the Cayman Islands, did uh, the sassy stuff where they have the little tank on the back but the cat sink when he was five and a half. Um, wow. He did the bubble maker two days after turning eight in the shark tank at Blue Planet Aquarium. Um, and he's now a junior advanced open water with about 60 dives, and he's dived in Grenada, Malta, and Egypt, wow. as well as England. So It'll be long before he's an instructor then. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely uh, got a knack for it. Um, he's, yeah, he's just very natural underwater and everything, very relaxed, but he listens, which is the main thing. So, um, yeah, he's very switched on. So it's nice. It's a real family, family affair when we can all go away diving together. Yeah, that's yeah. lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And that is uh, one of the things I, because I went to go diving last year and this year, and uh, well, we all did this year, and it is one of the things that does stand out. It's very friendly, or orientated and friendly. You know, you've got kids trying on kit and stuff like that, and it's, uh, it's nice. It's nice. It's a family thing, and it? it's nice that you can do that. It is, because it's one of the few sports I've always compared it a little bit to skiing, where skiing's seen as a family sport. I mean, I know there's yeah. other sports you can do as a family, but skiing's always been seen as something that you can all partake in together. And I think that's the yeah. thing with diving as well. Um, you know, even if the kids have just got into diving and they're at their 12-metre depth limit, well, in Egypt, 
all the colourful fish and everything and all the best stuff's into top 10 metres in a lot of places anyway. So the fact that you can't go deep doesn't make any difference. Um, and then it kind of just gets you all doing something together. So we think that's great. And I just think that we need more younger people in diving. Um, when I was the editor of Sport Diver back in 99, I was 25 and I was the youngest editor in the world in, in dive magazines. Well, I'm now 47 and I'm still one of the younger ones, which I find a bit worrying. Um, so I think we need to get a younger lifeblood into diving because diving is a cool sport. We know that, you know, it's the nearest you can get to flying. Yeah. And I just think you need to get more kids involved, but there's so many other sports and activities now. So you get them going mountain biking and kite surfing and wakeboarding and they're all cool sports, but we just need to get them into diving as well. Because if yeah. we rely on all the people that are in it now, in about 20 years time, they'll have all retired and we will have an industry. No. Yeah. And you, you don't have, as you say, you don't have to be a tech diver, although, you know, that's got its place and, you know, that, you know, there's a lot of enjoyment in that as well. I'm not knocking that at all, uh, but you don't have to be a tech diver to enjoy diving. You can stay, as you said, in the 10 metres and see loads of life and, you know, just do that. And that's really, Which appeals to a lot of people, doesn't it? And it's yeah, probably exactly. easier to get people into uh, for the shallows, I suppose, you know. But before we go too far into that, we've got some questions that we want to ask you, which we've asked everybody else. Yeah. Um, and Gemma's going to just um, kick start then. Okay. I've uh, got five questions. Okay. Gemma? Yep. So, our first question that we ask all our guests is Have you got a dive location still on your bucket list? I know you've traveled amazingly a lot, but is there anywhere you still want to go and why? Yes. Now, there's actually, unbelievably, even though I've been traveling around the world for 22 years and I have been to a lot of places, so I've been very lucky. There's still just as many places I haven't been. So, <laughs> If I had well. to really narrow it down, it would probably be Truck Lagoon because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a massive wreckhead and I've done Scapa Flow nine times, but I've never done Truck yet. So Truck Lagoon would probably be the, the top one for me. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favourite marine animal and why? Um, it'd have to be sharks if that was a complete, like, you know, family. And if it was one specific one, it'd be a tiger shark. Which you had a good experience with, wasn't it, a tiger shark? Yeah, I've had a, I've had a few um, close encounters with tiger sharks over the years. because we'll I've dived them. Yeah, I've dived with them at, at Tiger Beach in the Bahamas. Um, but then I say I've had a couple of other close encounters with them as well. But they're just such a beautiful looking shark. Um, God, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, bull sharks are cool and great whites are cool. And I do like oceanic white tips as well because they have a bit of, you know, attitude. But tiger sharks, just you know, a special animal. Yeah, no, I... I agree. So, um, can you give us three people, either from history or they're, they're about now, who you'd like to either dive with or for their non-dive who'd snorkel with? Three people? Um, David Attenborough, definitely, yeah. because I kind of grew up. He he's is the voice choice. Of, he's the voice of, you know, me, when I was, you know, started getting into diving, he was, he was, the, uh, he was the voice that we've gone through. Um, and I mean, I know he's getting on a bit now, but, uh, you know, he was back diving the Great Barrier Reef back in the 80s. That'd be awesome, stuff, so. Just to dive um, and hear him talking to you in, in your ear. Exactly. I, I, even if he couldn't dive anymore and they just put him in a submersible with speakers so that while oh. we're on the water, he could be talking and describing it and I could hear him. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. So that'd be, well, I said that's one. Um, what else would I like to go diving with? I'd like to have gone diving with Steve Irwin, actually, because I know that he yeah. was a bit of a controversial figure in some respects from getting a bit touchy-feely with stuff, but you also have to look at back when he was doing it uh, and at the height of his croc hunter fame, is he probably brought animals and the marine life into the lives of a lot of people who normally would not watch a documentary because yeah. of his different style. So I think we have to take into account, you know, that. that. And then the other one who definitely was of his time was Jacques Cousteau, because he was probably the one who got me into it because my uncle was a commercial diver, but he had some videos from some of the early Jacques Cousteau series. And so it's from watching them that made me think, I want to go and explore that world. But again, they're definitely of a time because when he you was watch amazing now, you just, you just sit there going, no! Dynamite in the reef and this, that and the other. But again, you have to look at it of a time and you kind of yeah. make excuses a little bit. But yeah, I think those would be my three from different eras, but that'd be good. He, um, he done the Britannic on air. 
not just the once, just to prove it was luck, he did it again and again. And it's like, how do you do that? Yeah, and you crazy. Think with, with how the diving gear was back then, and to do those sort of depths, yeah, remarkable. Okay, last question um, for these anyway. So if you could put something on a billboard, a message, a question, even a quote, even a picture, whatever, but there's a message you want to get out to the billions of people, what would be that message? Yeah, I would probably, like I alluded to it before, but I think I'd do something like that. Um, and something like scuba diving, it's the nearest you'll get to moving in three dimensions without going into space or something like that. Because it is the nearest you can get to flying. Is where I'd yeah. I mean, I know you could be like Andy Talbot and go jump out of a plane, but then you really are falling. You're just falling with style, as he puts it. But yeah. with, with diving... Fast. Because you can move in any any dimension, you know, you can move up and down, you can move side to side, you really have got that 3D movement. Yeah. And then the only other place you've got that is in zero gravity. Mm. So that's why I always think it's the nearest you can get to fly in. And it's that experience that I still enjoy. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm going jumping into Cape and Ray on Wednesday. That's the first time I've been diving in three and a bit months. Well, that's one of the questions we've got coming up, actually, about that. that but that's the I'll... longest I have been out of the water in about 30 years. I mean, my gills are drying up. I was even eyeing up the local river, and that's only about this deep, but I was going to get in anyway. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I'm so looking forward to that. And I mean, the viz should be good, and it'll be ground, in it? But you know what? I've jumped in places when the viz has been diabolical, and I literally cannot see the hand in front of my face. And I still enjoy it, because yeah. I just like the feeling of weightless and floating around. So... Um, yeah. That is a beautiful thing. And Gemma, you've got this to come. I, you know, I did a... I did a um, a dive up at uh, the Farns, and um, I think that's like Blue Rocks, I think call it. And, um, and you, you just do a, this wall, big wall dive, and it's just full of life. And as you're going down, you just watch all the critters and starfish, you name it, and anemones, they're all there, all alive. And it is, you just think, wow, you know, as you drop them down, it's just amazing, amazing feeling. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. So, where are you based at the moment? Uh, I'm in North Shropshire, just outside of Oswald Street. Right on the Welsh border, which is tantalising oh. because my local dive spot is normally Anglesey and I can't yeah. go at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully it's relaxing a bit and, you know, it will, yeah, another few weeks and we'll be... Exactly, we'll be back on track again then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So what have you been coping with lockdown in terms of kind of what you've been doing and how the Scuba Diver magazine setup has changed? Yeah, well... Um, obviously the way we distribute the magazine is we have it free into dive centres because that way it, every month when the magazine comes out it drives people into the dive centre to go and pick their copy up and that gives the dive centre the chance to you know engage with that customer you know they might not buy something every time or book a course or book a holiday but at least they're seeing them regular well with the lockdown all the dive centres closed our mm -hmm. distribution hub closed and the printers closed so we were kind of forced into a temporary hiatus so um we stopped doing the magazine and we've just been doing lots of stuff online we launched our live streams on a tuesday and a friday um that cannot that are all on youtube and facebook as well for people to see afterwards uh, so we started doing them started doing a website that kept us you know with something with our audience and then we've just started doing the magazines again so the first australian new zealand went to print a week ago on friday uh, the uk magazine the first post-COVID one is going to print this Friday and then the US goes to print two weeks after that so kind of back into the swing of things slowly but surely and then try and start building back up yeah. to normal. So do you have to change how you approach the different areas you know like do you have to approach the Australian market different to how you approach the American market say? Uh, yeah and w within each one um, it's bespoke content so there's the odd article if I've got a Q&A with someone like Jill Heiner, for instance, we could run that in all three magazines because it's universal interest. But equally, I wouldn't run an article on diving in Cornwall in Austria, the Australian magazine. So yeah. I tend to have like local diving in each one, but it's area specific. So in the US, we tend to do Florida, California. Um, Australia is coastline of Australia or New Zealand and our UK stuff. So there is some crossover uh, with equipment reviews, but otherwise we do try and tailor it. And the news in particular is area specific. So mm. I have to kind of juggle all three like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you have representatives in all three areas that you liaise with, or do you take control of 
the majority of it all? Well, I oversee all of it, but we have got um, an editor in editor at large, as we call him, down in Australia, who is a British contributor, Adrian, who lives in Australia. His wife's Australian. He's got two kids born in Australia. So he's kind of our man on the ground down there. And then we've got Walt Sturms, who's a celebrated underwater photographer, who's our kind of man on the ground in Florida. So I have got someone there to liaise, but overall, I, I oversee everything from, from HQ here. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so let's go back to, you know, who got you started in diving? You know, was that a family member or what, what happened? There? Yeah, I really, if you look at my family, I really shouldn't be into diving because my mum my doesn't swim. And my dad, he'll barely snorkel. So really, from them, I wouldn't have ended up in the water. But weren't they trying um, to talk you out of it? But yeah, um, but my uh, my mum's brother, who was only nine years older than me, so he was more like an elder brother because I'm an only child. So he was more like an elder brother to me rather than being my uncle. And he was right. a commercial diver, and he was also um, big in a Bezac dive club in York. So he was the one who first took me in diving off of Anglesey. Um, in proper old school, ABLJ, big round mass, proper old old school days. Um, and I was hooked. That first time I went in the water, it was just like, wow, this is amazing. And then it just carried on from there, really. Um, and Did you fancy I, going down the commercial route? No, I never went the commercial route. Um, I just was diving to start again. It's of, a, of an era when I was first diving with him. We were proper wreck divers back then. Where if you hadn't gone on a dive and came back with some lumps of brass, you hadn't gone on a proper dive. <laughs> um, obviously, things have changed now. It's go down, take photographs, don't go rip lumps off wrecks. But again, back then, it was a different era. Um, don't need a crowbar. Yeah, you don't need a crowbar anymore. Um, we didn't need a weight belt, though. We had that many tools on us. We didn't need a weight belt. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so he did that. And then I was just diving for a hobby, if you like. And then was a, was a newspaper journalist. And then when I was 25, that was when the two dovetailed. And I started working at um, Sport Diver, and that's when it became my job and my hobby. You must have been fairly brave doing commercial diving back then. Yeah, back then it was, that's when there was like, you know, the North Sea was very high paid, but the risks were very yeah. high. Yeah. Um, he, to be honest, he got, he got qualified, um, done all of his training, done a few jobs, and then the bottom fell out of the North Sea market where there was all these qualified divers and there wasn't enough jobs. So then he went on to a different tack and he went into doing... Uh, like topside, like welding jobs and this, that and the other. And he ended up traveling around with a team doing jobs all over the world, doing that side of things. Um, but yeah, so that sent me off down my diving route. Yeah. Yeah. So what level of qualification have you reached? Have you done lots of courses? Yeah, yeah, I've got that. I mean, I started off with Bizak. Um, I've been diving for 13 years before I actually got qualified. <laughs> they, all, they all taught me to dive. Don't tell anyone. They all taught me to dive. And then I actually uh, had booked a holiday um, with my girlfriend to go to Malta. And we split up just a couple of weeks before we were due to go. And I remember just thinking, well, I'm going anyway. But then I thought, I'm going to be bored just sat there drinking. So I thought, oh, I'll go diving. Because I've never dived abroad. I'd only ever dived in England. And I remember it was the week before. And it suddenly dawned on me that I've got all my, my old equipment, which was all secondhand that I bought off people in the club that I'd been diving for years, but I had no qualification. So I did novice one, novice two and sports diver in a week. So I started on the Saturday, finished on the Friday, and I flew to Malta on the Saturday with a crisp new logbook with five dives in it. And I could remember, their, fa I remember their faces when I got there and I gave them this logbook and they just looked at me, looked at the logbook, looked at all my old knackered kit and thought, Oh, oh no. My God. <laughs> yeah, he's just bought a lot of crap gear and it'll be a nightmare. Anyway, we were, when we were doing the dive, I remember he kept asking me what my air was and I kept telling him and I don't think he was, uh, he was really going for it. He kept coming over and looking at me. And then at the end of the week, he went, you're really good on air. He said, you're really natural in the water and everything. <laughs> Didn't have the heart to tell him I've been diving for 13 years. <laughs> um, so that was BZAC. That was when I got my BZAC qualification. When I started with Sport Diver, I crossed over as a rescue diver to get a paddy qualification. Um, done various specialties with them, got up to master scuba diver. I did my dive master qualification. Uh, and then I've done, um, I've, I've done various other advanced nitrox I did with TDI. Um, I've done a couple of rebreather courses with INTD and TDI. Um, so yeah, I've kind of bounced around, done courses with different people because and I've done a raid course and stuff as well. It's just interesting to see the different uh, training methods because at the heart of it, they're all much the same, to be fair. It's down to the instructor more than anything, but yeah. um, it was just good to see 
different things. Uh, people have been trying to tempt me for years to do my instructor course, but I'm too busy. I've never used a dive master in anger. I've got the dive master ticket. I've never, ever used it. Yeah. I know what you mean, because I think that is such an involved thing. You've really got to give it some quality time to, you know, give it the, the right respect. And, uh, you know, unless you, if you're busy all the time, it's hard to give it that time, isn't it, really? Yeah. And, uh, but when, when you uh, were diving before you actually got the, uh, got in contact with Bizak. When would that have been? Would that have been in the 90s? Oh, let me get back with this. I'm just thinking, oh, you know, would that even be possible today? Yeah, because, well, I don't know if it's, in, it's not even novice one, novice two, I don't think anymore, is it? Um, in the ocean diver, and then it goes to sport diver. But you could do it then when it was doing the stuff with a novice one and novice yeah. two and sports diver. It was possible to do it in seven days. It's just that was because they're a proper commercial, they're like a Bizak Premier School, um, whereas a lot of Bizak clubs, obviously, you only like training for a small amount. I don't, I don't think you could even do like 13 years today without having some kind of quality. Oh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to at all because you wouldn't be able to get air fills. And I mean, yeah. it'd be very frowned upon. But obviously, this was like back in the day. I mean, it would have been, uh, yeah, early mid 80s when I first started. And then it would have been running through the 80s into the early 90s. Credible. <laughs> so, for someone like me, being a non diver just starting out on my scuba journey, have you got any advice? Um, yeah, don't do anything you don't want to. Um, that's the main thing. My uncle, the one thing he always said to me right from the start when I was diving with him, he said, anyone at any point can call a dive and you don't have to say why. So you don't have to give a reason. You don't have to try and explain yourself. You know, if you're just not feeling right about it on the boat and you say, I don't want to get in, then that's, that's how it goes. And I always remember that. And I've always told that to people when I dive with them because... There is a lot of peer pressure in diving and people don't want to call a dive and ruin someone else's dive or this, that and the other. And he always said, if your buddy has a problem with you calling a dive, then maybe you need a new buddy. Yeah, no, that's good advice, definitely. Yeah, yeah that is. And uh, always better to be uh, on the surface wishing you was under rather than underneath wishing you was back up there. So, uh, yeah. yeah, definitely good advice. So over this time, you must have seen a lot of changes. You know, you, you know, um, you must be seeing more women coming into the sport as well. Because uh, one of the things that we do as a podcast is that we try and uh, encourage more people to take up the sport and particularly more women to get into the sport as well. Because one of the things we notice is, you know, we could probably do with that. You know, have you seen, do you think that's sort of happening now? There has, but it's also, it's different. It's different in different areas of the world. Like in the UK, we've got a bit of an image problem with diving because if you're diving in the UK and you're in dry suits and gloves and a hood and the visibility sometimes can be, and it's just cold and this, that, and the other. It's fantastic diving. And I mean, you know, with that, but it's not got the glamorous side. Whereas if you're yeah. in the Caribbean and you can go for a dive, you know, you got, I'm going for a dive in a bikini or a rash fest and it's warm water and epically clear and then you come out onto a tropical beach so it's far easier. So you find in the warmer places, the fifth, the split between male and female divers is closer. Whereas and and a, a, a bikini always nips as well, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> but that's, and then in the UK, it's very skewed. You know, that's, that's the problem is it's skewed. You, you've got far more men than women. Now, so dry suits now, compared with when I first started diving in there, are just, the, you know, it's so easy now to dive in a dry suit they're thinner they're easy to move around in um they're not as daunting so and they look cool you know some of these female specific cut dry suits from santi and fourth element and the like you know they're good looking suits so it kind of gets past that you know everything's black stage yeah that is true because technology is moving on one of our friends has ordered a pink one as well so look forward to seeing what that's like well you won't miss them (laughs) no (laughs) no definitely not no no, definitely not. And um, so, what about like, uh, you know, what what is your choice of diving? You know, what is it wreck diving, cave diving? One of the experience, one of the things that we seem to be finding is that the people that we speak to, they seem to either go down the wreck route or the cave diving route, or they just prefer going where the big uh, marine life is. You know, what's what's your sort of main interest in diving? Um, yeah, I mean, I do like wrecks. Um, especially if it's a wreck with a story. Um, you know, I find those very interesting. Um, but then I do like my big animals. So, you know, being in the water with big sharks and this, that, and the other, that's kind of gives me that thrill, makes you feel a bit insignificant when you're in the water then. Uh, but I also like the adrenaline dive. So like a screaming drift dive in the Maldives or something like that 
yeah. just fantastic. Um, I mean, I, I don't mind looking at the little stuff, nudie branks and everything like that, but it's like once I've done a couple of dives doing that, I'm hankering after looking for a big shark. Yeah, no, that is good. Um, just going back to dive kit, have you got like a favourite piece of dive kit or do you stick with a particular brand? Um, no, and particularly with my role, obviously, with a magazine, I try to bounce around a little bit with yeah. different kits. Um, I've always got stuff on test, so it's very rare that I go on a trip and go diving in like what I class um, I think probably the one thing that I've got that I do own that I am very close to are my force fins. And force fins, one of those things that really split opinion. I've got um, force fin pros. I've got um, accelerating force fins. I've got, got SD1 force fins. Um, I've got about, and I've got a pair of the uh, SD flying force fins with the little wingtips because right. Bob Evans, the creator, he's kind of adopted me as his long lost British relative. Um, right. And I've got so many signed fins from him um, that are different thicknesses and this, that, and the other. And they do split opinion. People either love them or hate them. But what I find is that the, a lot of people who hate them have never actually tried them. They just go, yeah. well, they look stupid. And I'm like, well, that's in your opinion. But I've never found another fin. There's a video of me going through the fuselage um, at um, Endac, and uh, they look really weird, how they all sort of curls. Um, I don't think other fins kind of do that so much, but I've got the no, accelerator. They, they, they do give you some power. My wife's got force fins as well, and she finds, because yeah. she's only little, she's only like five foot two, but she finds they give her the power to be able to like, you know, punch through currents and stuff. Um, yeah. And then my son was in force fins as well. So when we were in uh, Grenada, we were like the little force fin family. <laughs> you must have a big dive kit room. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, the garage is full of gear. I've got all my gear and, and their gear, and then I've got all the test gear is all piled up. Um, so yeah, it's, there's always something kicking around. It's like it's all behind me in the office as well here at the moment. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting back in the water. That's probably one of my main things I enjoy, as well as the travelling, um, is the testing the kit because kits change so much in 20 odd years that I've been testing okay. each year. So it's cool to see how stuff has moved on. Yeah. So what do you think is going to be like the new, the next innovative piece of kit that's going to come out? What do you well, think it's not going to be. It's not going to be a helmet rebreather like the one that was at, um, at Dima. I don't know if you've seen any videos of that, but that was hilarious. Um, it right. literally like a Stormtrooper helmet, and it effectively had what looked like oh, two, seen two that, yeah. of Red Bull that clicked yeah. into the back, and that was providing the oxygen and everything. It was like, yeah. It was like, look, everyone was just, every, the guy was laying in the pool on the bottom, very still, I have to say, but he was just laying there breathing, and everyone was coming up going, is he dead yet? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't think it'd be that. I think I think the one thing I've seen that with battery technology moving on is scooters. Scooters are yeah. getting smaller and more powerful. Because at one point, to get a decent scooter, you needed you know something like a Suex or something like that, and then you're it's a big investment and there are big units cart around. Whereas some of these small ones now, I mean, they're literally like this sort of size. Yeah. Two little props on, hold it there, lithium battery in the middle, and the power those things put out. Um, yeah. And they are good fun. Doesn't matter if you're a brand new diver or an experienced. Oh, I look at them. I think, wow. Yeah, Staring around on, on those, it's great because immediately in your head you start playing James Bond theme tune. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was at Stony last year and I could hear this noise. Where's that noise coming from? And all of a sudden, zzz, yes, oh, there we go. Great. No, they are definitely fantastic. I mean, rebreathers are cool, um, but the, I think the great thing about a scooter is with uh, just you know you can put one in anyone's hand give them a little bit of instruction so that they don't like go flying off up to the surface at speed or anything but if they're flying around at level you can't beat them for the fun factor yeah, yeah. Fun. so let's go back to diving where do you think diving's going to be like in uh, say 10 years time what do you where, what do you think we're going to be looking like um i mean i'd like to think that we've we've got more younger people in so that we've got a thriving dive scene because like i said at yeah. the moment um if you go to um, a lot of the dive shows in the States in particular, it's a very aging demographic. And like I said, you know, that's the problem. Um, mm. If all the younger people are getting into other sports and we're not getting them into diving. So then... is it an age problem? Yeah, I think it is a little bit. I mean, I think when, when I first got into it, you know, Jacques Cousteau was doing it and um, it was all very exciting. And you had, 
Thunderball and Never Say Never Again on TV, on the films and stuff like that. So diving was all exciting, you know, having underwater yeah. battles with giant knives and this, that and the other. Um, and then I think the problem you've got is that diving essentially is a very safe sport, really. If you, you know, you're taught properly, you're diving within your limits, the equipment these days is really, really good. It's very rare if your equipment's looked after, you're going to have a major issue with anything underwater. So it's actually quite a safe sport. And I think that's kind of played against it is that now it's, it's overlooked by some kids because they don't see it as being an extreme sport. You know, they'll go yeah. and do mountain biking and I say they'll go and do kite surfing and stuff like that. But diving, for whatever reason, isn't, doesn't seem to capture their attention. Yet the kids that do do it, like Luke, like my Luke, he thinks it's the most cool thing ever. Like underwater, he loves a flying field, he loves seeing the animals, and he totally gets it. But then he also mountain bikes, and, you know, we used to have a jet ski, and we've got a rib now, and he loves doing that. So he does other sports. So yeah. I think that's the thing, is people don't have to do one sport. You know, it's not like in the old days where it's people who are like, no, I'm a, right. or I'm a this. I mean, I'm mountain bike, we've got yeah. the rib. Diving is my main hobby, but I kayak and, you know, I'll do it. It's like you can do other things. Um, And that's what I always try and get people to do is to say, well, look, if you're going away for a weekend and you're a diver, it's great. Take your mountain bike because if the weather blows you out, you can go mountain biking. But if the weather's good, then you can go diving. Some of them. So you can actually get in your kayak, go somewhere, dive and kayak back. You know, you can actually merge things you know yeah, and you can do that with your um paddle boarding as well because some of the big yeah. paddle boards now have the um stuff on the back to put your dive kit on the back so you can paddle out to where you need to go um yeah. and then off you go yeah yeah, but yeah. I can say I've done that <laughs> yeah there you go you see you've already started yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you're, not the, you're not the first to actually say that to us though about the age thing um and we we've had somebody say that to us in 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 the industry um, you know, say say that was actually one of their concerns about you know age and the age, the average age getting higher rather than lower. Um, yeah, I mean that's so, why we have a, we have the section in the magazine called the Next Generation, which is purely aimed yeah. at kids and teenagers to give them a spot. So I try and do case studies with kids so that they can be saying why they think diving so cool. So then hopefully, if other kids are reading it, if there's a 13 year old or a 14 year old telling them diving's cool that might resonate more with them than if I'm telling them that diving's cool and they think, why is the old ball guy telling me? Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, there's that. And also I think we need, I, I mean, I can't understand why diving isn't more popular now than before because you can't turn the TV on these days without one channel at least having an underwater documentary on. Like they're everywhere. And then... Yeah. I think they understood it with like Blue Planet where they did the last 10 minutes of every episode showing you how they filmed some of that amazing footage. Yeah. But then that made you think, God, I want to be in the water doing that. So I can't quite put my finger on it because th- that type of promo wasn't around before. So we've got that. Right. You know, I mean, I think we could do with a couple of cool diving movies. I mean, the last one that came out that was a bit cheesy, but it was still awesome. was like, into, yeah, Into the Blue. You know, and I think that, yeah, if we could have some... You know, like movies like that, it doesn't matter if they're a bit cheesy and they've got some like you know, underwater fight scenes. Yeah, the the Corbett. yeah, that's it. See, we'll just get Torbs doing it, he'll be well up for that. He <laughs> <laughs> will, yeah, he will be right up for that, I'm sure. Well, with the Go Diving show, obviously, you've set that up. Do you kind of feel that that will help with inspiring people? to have a look at diving because obviously you're setting up the sort of some children elements at the go dive show this year uh yeah and i mean that's that was always our aim was to try and have um people that they could relate to um who were amongst the speakers or there was stuff that was exciting on the screens that they'd look at and go wow that looked really cool um and i think it is it's just important to try and open their eyes to the opportunities that are out there i mean yes it's a cool sport but equally there are various careers that they could go, you know, mm. down with marine biology and this, that and the other. So there's lots of elements to it. Um, and I think, yeah, and I just think it's such a cool activity to be able to do. It's just, it'd be nice to see more young people doing it. Because like I said, the ones who are into it totally get it. Love it. But, yeah. And part of the thing is, though, that they totally get it and the friends don't. But they almost like that because then they're kind of got they're doing this cool exclusive thing that their friends don't really understand what it's about. Yeah. 
we need it in schools, don't we? We spoke to uh, uh, Paul Rose recently, and yeah, he's a great one for yeah, sort of the education side of it, and you know that, that way to get youngsters into it and learning about the outdoors as well. Yeah, I th yeah. I mean, that's it. If you can get it at grassroots level like that, um, I mean, it's great that the scouts um, they've done various big tri dive events and stuff. So at least that's getting younger people into it. And um, there's more and more dive centres now that have a youth element. So they'll have mm pool sessions that are just for kids and they bring the fun factor on and they're working with local schools on their own level but I think if there could be some nationwide approach to put diving into schools or get it in the in front of them I think it'd be good even if they could yeah. you know maybe bring it in as part of the Duke of Edinburgh award or something like that because that gets them outdoors you know hiking and this that and the other well if there could be you know some so element of diving or something yeah yeah so what about like um did you see what adec did with their um with everything going virtual because the the virus said what did yeah, you I see that? that with the stuff and i mean obviously we're doing you know you're doing this thing we've done our live streams and i mean it is it's a great way of engaging with people and you can do things you can't do live so or face to face rather because we do our live but face to face so we did one way we were talking to people who were in the cenotes in mexico who were sat outside them and somebody else was in portsmouth and we had them all over the place so that that use of technology is great, but I also think that you can't beat that feeling of being face to face with someone or yeah, you being sat there in the audience and there's the big monster screen and there they are on the stage with a little mic and the, you know, the kind of interaction right. with the audience and you yeah. have that, like, you're, you're more at the moment. What's happened through the virus, UK diving has become far more a subject now so how do you view uk diving yeah i mean i've always been a big advocate for for uk diving um you know it kind of gets much maligned by a lot of people so, you know and yes i've been in on cornwall i mean i remember we went down to do a, a series we did camp and dive and it was basically saying look save your money don't pay for a bnb get a tent and then you can use that money you've saved to go out on a dive boat so it was just a, like a fun way of doing it and we've gone to cornwall and the weather was fantastic. It was burning sun, blue skies, calm seas. You couldn't have got like a better topside ambience. It was fantastic. And the visibility was about that. Like literally, it was like jumping into <laughs> green soup. So much plankton. Um, I just remember we swam around my buddy and I for about 20 minutes and I couldn't see him. I knew he was there because I could hear him giggling through his regulator, but I had no idea where he was. And we just <laughs> swam around in about two meters until we just gave up. And then we went to the pub and did a pub dive instead. But it was still fun. And I think that there's too many times people get caught up on, oh, it's cold, it's bad viz. Well, you can go to, as we mentioned before, you go up to the Farne Islands, you can be in five, six, seven metre viz there, sat in four metres of water getting cuddled by a seal. I mean, it's one of yeah. the world's best dives. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic. You can go off Cornwall and swim with basking sharks or blue sharks. You know, that's amazing. Um, yeah. And yes, sometimes the viz can be less than perfect, but all I do then is tell people to look smaller. I mean, I took Luke in for a dive off Triorda Bay. Now, off Ravens Point and Triorda Bay, I've done dives off there and we've had 10, 12 metre visibility. You know, you can see all the colours of the kelp and everything. It's fantastic. But more often than not, it's usually around about four to five metres. So I'd been in the week before and it was about 10 metres. So I persuaded him to go in with me and we got in and it was about six feet, the viz. It had just all stirred up. But all I did was he was fine and we just looked at all the smaller stuff. So instead of, you know, just swimming around going, oh, the busy's bad, I can't see 10 metres, look yeah. at what's in front of you. So we found lobsters and crabs and shrimp and I found a dogfish hiding underneath a rock oh, wow. and we looking within about a two foot radius of us as we swam around. Yeah. And it was still a fantastic dive. I think yeah. it's all in your mind of how you approach it. You know, if you yeah. go in expecting 40 metre viz and it's not 40 metre viz and you're disappointed, well... You're limiting yourself. Whereas if you go in, going, I'm going to enjoy this dive and kind of go with it, you know, it's great. There's some great places to dive in the UK. Absolutely great places. Very fortunate. Yeah, I mean, at least, you know, what is it they reckon if you're only two hours away from the coast, wherever you live or something like that. Um, yeah. And then obviously we've probably got more inland dive sites for the size of the country than a lot of other places. You know, you've got Cape and Rain, Stony Cove and Endak and Vobster and Vivian and all these places. Um, and, you know, they're all great. You know, I mean, yeah. I do most of my testing quarries purely for logistics because if I've got, you know, 27 regulators in three price bands to test, it's just easier having them where I can get in and get some depth very quickly. Yeah, um, 
you know, and if you're new to diving, you know, and you're fettling a new piece of equipment, you know, or just to keep your hand in, you know, just to be able to get in the water and go diving, you can't beat them. But I still urge people to go in the sea because we didn't yeah. learn to dive just to dive in a quarry all the time. Nice. So use the quarry, but then get yourself in the sea. Even if you don't go deeper than four meters, you're going to see lots of marine life. So, you know, that's the thing is explore our coastline. Yeah, yeah. we've heard so much from people we've spoken to about how diverse it is you know, around the UK and, you know, I just think, oh, I can't wait. It's like, <laughs> and it's all on the doorstep. We don't have to get on a plane to, you know, experience some, you know, great diving as well. Yeah, and I think that's going to be um, the, the pro mm. of some form of COVID-19 because, I mean, this year was a nightmare. As we went into lockdown, I think that was probably the best start to a British dive season we have had in so many years. I mean, yeah, the weather up around here... My friend lives in Anglesey, and he was just showing, it was just glass flat. The viz was unbelievable. It was just amazing. Day after day after day, from the Easter weekend onwards, if not before the Easter weekend, it was like the perfect start to give the British dive industry a shot in the arm, and we couldn't do anything because we are in lockdown. And typically now, as we're starting to open up, the weather's turned, and now we've got mixed weather. Now, you know, it looks like it's starting to pick up again, and if people can at least get diving, we can at least salvage something of this season, you know, yeah. Yeah. Getting through the rest of June and then get July, August, September and into October, then that'll be great. Yeah. Um, but I think the benefit will be with the travel restrictions at the moment and perhaps people's confidence about traveling um, is the UK staycation for diving will get a bit of a lift. Uh, yeah. And we're going to, we've actually started trying to do a push of bring a buddy as we called it. So if you're a hardcore British diver and you know someone who's only ever dived abroad, then grab them and drag them kicking and screaming for a dive in the UK. Yeah, good idea. Just to get them to show what they're missing. They might not enjoy it. It might not be something they'll want to do all the time, but it might just wake them up what's on their doorstep. So it's like, look, instead of sitting there waiting until you can travel, get your dive kit on and get in the water and see what you think. Well, we have reefs here as well. Don't we? You know, we've got chalk reefs just off Norfolk. You know, got some great yeah, reefs just off the shore. Like we said, yeah, we've got some great wrecks. We've got we've got reefs. We've got nice marine life, little marine life, big marine life. You know, so and the water's not that cold. I mean, uh, you know, once you get into the summertime, yeah. you can get away with wearing a thicker wetsuit if you're in for say an hour forty minutes. So you yeah. don't have to wear a dry suit. But then equally, I would say to people, look, wear a dry suit. Be comfortable then you won't notice the call that you'll be in, you could be in as long as you want then. So, yeah. you know. Uh, it's true. Uh, it's good. So do you support any charities or anything? Um, yeah, I actually, uh, my wife and I cycled from London to Paris on mountain bikes for the Whale and yeah. Dolphin Conservation Society. Oh, wow. Um, that nearly killed us. Everyone else was on road bikes and we were on mountain bikes with fat tires. Man, that was hard work. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Oh, it's good. Um, well done. But, but yeah, but it was good. And we raised about three and a half grand for them uh, with that because it was good. Because if the that was when I worked as a sport diver. And if you were doing something for charity, they had a scheme that whatever you raised, they'd match it. Oh, brilliant. So, uh, so that was good. And then on a smaller scale, we do things. I mean, uh, I always give money to the RLNI um, because my entire family, we've got a static caravan over in Anglesey. And my mum oh. and dad have as well. My family's been going there for four generations now. And my dad's got a little sailing dinghy. Like I said, we've had jet skis, got a kayak, we've got ribs. Um, so we're out on the sea a lot. Now, touch wood, we haven't really ever needed them in, in proper anger yet. Um, and I hope we don't, but yeah. they're there if you need them. So we always, always support them. Um, and then, you know, there's other people here and there. We do stuff for like Sea Shepherd, you know, buy bits yeah. and pieces from them to give them a bit of a lift. Um, yeah, the thing is, good. there's so many worthy charities out there now. It's very difficult to kind of focus on one or the other. So I tend to try and bounce around a little bit and give them all a bit of love. Yeah, it's good. It's good, Mark. Yeah, it's, it is amazing how many, you know, even organisations for the marine conservation side of things, as well as, yeah, the other charities. Yeah, there, there is a lot out there. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Do you have any questions for us? Yeah, I was going to ask you, is, how, why did you come up with the idea of the, the big podcast? Um, well, I, I was on one before. I was on uh, Scuba Confidential, and, uh, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, that finished at uh, the end of last year, and um, spent quite a bit of time getting involved with that. And um, really, 
enjoyed that. So I thought, right, the best thing to do is to get back into it, but have a slightly different focus um, and look at actually somebody like Gemma, who uh, wasn't a diver at the time, and you bring that into a focus and look at that part. Um, because there's always a bigger, it's always a bigger fish, you know. There's always somebody who's got more experience, done more dives and things like, like that. And it's good to, you know, and there's people out there doing those kind of podcasts and those type, that type of work. And that's really great um, that those things are catered for. But we thought, well, there's not that many actually looking at introducing more people into diving, introducing more uh, women into the sport. You know, and uh, when I spoke to Gemma about it, is you know that was one of the aims that we thought we would do, and that's the way the podcast would be focused. Yeah, and it is so easy, you know, to be go down one path like a technical path, but we don't want to do that. We want to, yeah, show that diving has got all these different paths to go down for you know young people coming into it. You know, there's the photography side, there's career choices. So it's just a kind of a bit of education from our eyes i suppose and as we go along on our journeys as well so. we're also a bit more um i suppose business focused as well which uh i think there's strength in numbers so one things that we've learned i suppose since doing this is with networking you realize you know everybody know each other in the industry it's quite a small industry um and with building those contacts up you, you know you can soon um you know, get to, get to speak to people um, and pull them into the podcast, have a chat with them, find out what's going on. And it's surprising, you know, just how much you learn just by doing that. And yeah. hopefully you can make entertaining, interesting content as you build and, you know, evolve, really. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think it's all good. Like you said, you're coming from a different approach um, to some of the others out there. I mean, that was one of the reasons with our live stream, the way we did it was, Again, I think that some of these webinars that are out there are fantastic. They're very informative and everything. But there was a lot were coming on the, at the same sort of time where it was one person presenting for 45 minutes an hour. And yeah. so that was why we kind of thought, well, let's go for the chat show style, you know, which is more like this. And so it's like, yeah. you know, the host, bring the guest in, have a chat with them, bring the next guest on and all that sort of stuff. And it, it's good. Hopefully it is engaging. And like I said, it might be another way of people who perhaps, you know, don't, read magazines or they wouldn't have this mm. or they wouldn't have checked that and it's just another way of captivating them um, and getting yeah. them to see what our sport is all about we're in yeah, the modern we world like now sorry we're, we're in the modern world now and with all the social media i mean just seeing the effect that we can have on posting on instagram and facebook and twitter it's you know just amazing you wouldn't just get that by sending an email or picking up a phone it's you know no. the world is a different place now yeah and also it's good because once you've done something and then it sits there on YouTube. You know, people have, like we've seen stuff that we filmed, you know, six weeks ago. Somebody's found it and then it suddenly, you know, their numbers are going up and up and up. So we've got good numbers on them anyway, but they're all they're starting to go because they'll watch one and then they'll watch another one. And so they're on there then. So once they're on YouTube, you know, you've gone to the effort of producing it, but it's now there. So it doesn't matter yeah. if somebody watches it in a year, two years, three years, a lot of the content would still be valid and interesting. So it's a good way of, you know, producing yeah. something that's timeless, really. Yeah, and it's it's a learning process. We've learned loads. You know, uh, we come at this not knowing the technology or anything really. We just had an idea, and um, we kind of had to evolve as we go and and build it. You know, you know from scratch, uh, and it's fun. You know, and you could probably say the same to you. You know, when you know that must have been quite scary for someone like you know when you uh, was it twenty five when you were the head of that magazine. To wake up one day and you think, Flip, I'm the, you know, I'm the editor of this big magazine. You've got responsibilities. You know, what's more scary? You're being chased by something like a tiger shark or the head of a, a, one of the biggest magazines out there. And yeah, you, and people are looking at you going, right, what are we going to do today? What are we going to share today? Yeah, it was a big jump because before that, when I worked on a newspaper, you know, it's a totally different setup on a newspaper because... I was the head journalist on this weekly newspaper. So it was like, you know, there was a deadline was like, basically it went every Thursday to print. Um, but we'd write the story, but then there was like a deputy editor and editor that they were doing the headers, they were doing bits and pieces. So everything you were writing was short and concise. I think the longest I used to write was about 300 words. So when I went from that to being the editor of the magazine, suddenly I've got a month to get something done. I'm writing 3000 word features everything was completely different 
and it really was a bit of a mindset to try and and uh, yeah turn myself around to what I was doing. But you know, it's one of those things, kind of face the fear and do it anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's all good. Yeah, well, it's interesting, you know, the journey, and you do face your fears because that's another thing that's come out of um, conversations with people. You've got to face your fears, try these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like I said, you, I, you know, when I said about don't do anything that you don't want to, you know, stand by that. But equally, sometimes if you're into it and there's just something that it's safe to do, but it's just a little bit outside your comfort zone and it's just pushing you that little bit, so it's a learning curve, then it's good to do those things because yeah. that's what you learn from. So you're not putting yourself yeah. in danger. You're not doing anything. It's just to you, it's kind of taking a big step. But in reality, it's just a small step. But you know, it's just you do that, and that's how your your diving grows over the over the years, really. Yeah. So have you got anything on your magazine about for like non-divers and people who are now starting up? I know you said you got <laughs> something for youngsters. Yeah, we've got we've got real entry level stuff that's kind of aimed at new divers. I don't necessarily have much in there for non-divers, like complete non-divers, because of the way that we distribute the magazine, which is in the dive centre. So people who go into a dive centre, they're either a diver or they've already made the decision that they want to be a diver. So then if they pick a copy of it up, hopefully with the nice illustrations, nice big images, you know, there's inspirational stuff in there. There's enough to capture their attention. Um, But because we're not on newsstand or anything like this, it's there'd be so few people that would pick a diving magazine up on a whim because they've maybe contemplated going diving. It wouldn't be worth giving, you know, pages are precious. So I try and use the pages to maximum effect. So, yeah. you know, but I do try to have something for everyone within diving. So there's entry level stuff, there's intermediate stuff, there's stuff for tech divers, there's yeah. the equipment test section that everybody likes. And then there's the hints and advice section, you know, about yeah. buoyancy or weighting or, in or things like that which anyone can benefit from so yeah you know well that's it because i'm i'm going to try and get out and about a bit more um as soon as we're able to with this to try and get around to different dive sites and everything because it'll actually be quite nice to try and meet up with some people that i've only been seeing through a screen <laughs> yeah so uh, so hopefully you know if you guys are out diving somewhere uh, we might be able to rendezvous then so uh, okay. that'll be good then i could actually like get fine. some photographs of you underwater get you into the mag well thank you very much mark thank you very much for all your time it's been brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been yeah, lovely it's to, meet nice you. to meet you. Yes, it was nice to e-meet you. Like I said, um, hopefully <laughs> we might actually see you on another face-to-face at so. some point. <laughs> we're swimming by one another underwater and we were like... I recognise that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. No, thank you for having me on. Great. Awesome. Okay. All right, thanks so much for your time. That's been great. All right, no worries. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Enjoy diving when you're actually able to get wet. Yes. <laughs> All right, thanks, Mark. All right, no worries. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Well then, Gemma, what do you think of that? Did you enjoy that? Yeah, really interesting, yeah. I, th- I thought, um, actually in the words, to use the words of Neil Armstrong, I actually thought, well, you know, that's one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. You know, it's, it's a start of a magazine and started this uh, go dive and show. Brilliant thing. Yeah, such an early age as well. He has, like, yeah, footprint there. Yeah, it is. It's great. So, uh, it's, uh, I thought Mark Evans, uh, great diving career and it's exciting. And also, you know, it's exciting what way he's going with the magazine and also the diving show. So, yeah. uh, thank you very much, Mark. It was great. You know, you gave us the time to, uh, talk to us about that and, um, you know, we look forward to seeing what way, you know, and how you develop the magazine further so uh, mm. that'd be brilliant and also look forward to seeing you at the go diary check next year that'd be good yeah anyway so uh that's kind of us wrap things up a bit for today uh thank you very much as always for listening um Gemma, who have we got coming up next on the big school podcast we have got keller and janice from manta pacific Ooh. so yeah that's really exciting so we interviewed them they were in two different time zones and they were talking about the manta pacific project that's right before we remember they were uh, one was in hawaii keller was in hawaii and i think janice was in washington so um that's really good i really enjoyed talking to them as well it's um 
learn so much, you know, about these, about these mantas, you know, and they are just magical creatures, aren't they? Yeah, and Keller was just so, so enthusiastic. He loves his dives too. <laughs> Done yeah, so you, thousand dives and still log every single one of them. Yeah. And there's not many people who who can say that you know that they're doing all them dives and still logs them and still get excited, still finds the magic. And honestly, if you yeah, if you listen to it, you'll get excited about diving. <laughs> I know. I I, I can feel my, you know I can feel the smile in my mouth coming up to me. <laughs> You know, because you think, wow, I want to do this, I want, I want to learn more, I want to know more. Uh, and, and it is, it's really exciting stuff. Yeah, and see a manta. And see a yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't see many of them around this way, aren't you? Not, not on the North Norfolk coast, no, no unfortunately. unfortunately. it'd be nice one day. Exactly. So I think that's it for episode 28. And all we can say is just for our you check out our YouTube channel. We've got audio books on there. We've got lots of exciting uh, visuals of us kayaking, paddleboarding, diving. So go to our YouTube channel, Dirt Big Scuba, subscribe, like and share. Yes. And also very quickly, thank you to our friends as always, Mares, uh, Blue O2. Reef World, Fourth Element, um, Shearwater, Paralens. I've, if I've forgotten you, don't mean it, but thank you very much. You know who you are. Thanks for all your support as always. And also, thank you very much for listening. We can't do that without you guys listening and feedback. Oh, also, if you've got any questions, do write in. We, yeah, you know, email we us. always need some questions. Yeah, email us, okay. messages, direct messages on our social media sites. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just send us. I look like a car bonnet, as they say. So I heard. Anyway, on that note, see you all later. Yep. Bye, everyone. Dreaming of the same.